Welcome to the Between Sundays podcast from Four Corners Community Church in Darien, Illinois. Four Corners exists to help people find and follow Jesus, and we envision a church of everyday missionaries living with gospel intentionality wherever we live, work, and play. All right, well, welcome back to another installment of our Between Sundays podcast. Uh, I'm joined here with Michael and Janet. Good to have you guys. Hello. You didn't say who you are. You're Dave. And I am Dave. <laughs> and it is good to be with you. Uh, yeah, so we started a series uh, a couple weeks ago, summer series on judges, and uh, kind of moving through uh, the book here a little bit. We're a couple of weeks in, and uh, we just thought maybe we'd chat about it a little bit. Um, a lot of people have come up to me and said, wow, that's a weird, uh, you know, book to go through. Why'd you pick that? And what are you guys hoping to get out of it? And things like that. So maybe we start there. Um, as you guys have looked at, you know, this series, what are you hoping people, uh, what are some takeaways or some things that you're hoping people uh, walk away with? Prior to starting it, I thought it was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Not that anyone cares what I think is a good or a bad idea. Clearly, we didn't take it. No, no. <laughs> I'm not a bad idea. I if just, only we had known ahead of time. I know, I know. It would have changed the whole trajectory of <laughs> the preaching series. <laughs> um, I shouldn't say bad idea. I just That's not my favorite book of the Bible. And why is that? Until now? Until now. Yeah. yeah. It's still not my favorite, but um, it's just kind of dark. Mm-hmm. Um. And I like the lightness of the New Testament. So, but I know you have to have the Old Testament, but of all the Old Testament books, like. Like Jesus dying and all the martyring and everything. Yeah. (laughs) Well, but then there's like the good part. The resurrection. Right. (laughs) right. But Judges is just like pretty brutal pretty heavy yeah Yeah, it's pretty graphic yeah no doubt in fact there's probably going to be um toward the end there'll probably be at least one sunday where i'll ask kids to kind of refrain or i'll ask the parents to refrain from bringing their kids in just because it gets gets pretty heavy so um so we have a great children's ministry that (laughs) they can check out that week Um, we sure do is that a chunk they leave out of most uh children's bibles like the story bibles they don't put tend to gloss over they they tend to gloss over quite a bit of judges judges is not a big (laughs) series in children's ministry they show samson getting his hair cut off and that's pretty much it yeah right for sure so yeah i think uh there's a practical side to it um in the sense of these are probably, you know, a lot of people don't read the book of Judges often. So these are stories that, um, you know, either you've never heard of or uh, maybe they're just unfamiliar or maybe it's been a long time. And so um, there's something fun about just a summer schedule we like to try to pick um, because people are in and out so much. A series that people can kind of pop in and get a story and they don't necessarily have to know, you know, the first part of Romans that, you know, the series isn't building necessarily, even though it, it is kind of building, um, they can come in and it's kind of like a story that they can focus on and take something away from. So uh, there's there's that practical side. But even more than that, I really enjoy the book of Judges just for uh, I see us in it 
Um, I, I know a lot of times we think, whoa, how could these people do that? Or how could they forget about God? Or how could you? And yet when I look at the mirror, I mean, that's me, you know, um, maybe not the graphic nature of like shoving a sword in some guy's gut and things like that. <laughs> but um, the idea of forgetting about God, of turning to my own ways, of, of looking for fulfillment in other places, um, that is that is us. And so there's a sin cycle um, that you see kind of repeated throughout uh, the book, and yet God remains faithful. And so it's really a book that um, even in the midst of the chaos and the craziness, you see God's hand at work raising up these deliverers, and then ultimately you see his faithfulness. Um, and it's a book that ultimately points to Jesus in the end. Um, and so I hope to kind of point that out to people as well as we work through it. There's definitely a drastic nature to all of it, and I think there's a drastic contrast throughout most of the Bible when it comes to painting a picture of our brokenness and need and painting, contrasting that against God's goodness and his faithfulness. And so uh, there are a lot of these kind of stories chronicled in the Bible because otherwise, uh, I don't know that you get quite the same picture of how good God is. I think we see especially how good God is in the light of such brutal tough stuff as this. It might not be quite the same if the book of Judges was Bob goes to work at a shoe factory every yeah. day <laughs> and he's really grateful to have a job and so he wrote a book of the Bible saying I'm so good. The I'm book so of Bob. <laughs> yeah, the book of Bob. I'm so thankful for God's faithfulness for my shoe factory job. We can get a little bit of a different picture of who God actually is in the face of sin this bad, brokenness this uh, comprehensive, um, the the beauty then has a tendency, I think, to be equally as reflective of, of all of these things. We see how good God is because of how bad we actually are. Yeah, and I think in our Western society, I think in just humanity in general, we tend to, to underplay both those aspects. We underplay our sinfulness. Um, we act, oh, we're not that bad, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and we also underplay, underplay God's goodness and <laughs> His gratefulness. Um, and and so we like to kind of stay in the middle lane. And Judges kind of shows you, nope. Um, without God, this is where humanity is, you know. And and despite where humanity actually is, this is this is still God's faithfulness and still His love and His greatness. And so. Hopefully we get a good lens. I mean, the book ends uh, on kind of a, a, a dark note, but it basically says... Um, Bummer, Janet. Sorry. Yeah. I yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it ends with, and the people did whatever they saw was right in their own eyes. And that is a statement that rings true today, I think. I think um, a lot of people would say, well, you know, I do this because I think it's right. You know, and... Yeah. Um, it's I the think. epitome of what freedom means now yeah. in American culture mm -hmm. is... Not that you have the freedom to do the right thing, but that you have freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah, for sure. So I'm looking forward to it. It's been fun. We've only we're only a few chapters in, uh, but we've looked at a few different judges by now. We looked at Ehud and we looked at um, Deborah and Barack and Jael uh, last week. I had someone come up to me, and uh, this is prior to speaking on Jael, but they uh, they said, uh, "And who is he?" And I said, "Oh." Jael's actually a female mm. in the Bible, so it was fun to kind of <laughs> chat through that a little bit. But. I have something I wanted to say. Yeah. Um, you don't have to raise your hand, Janet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to point out before you like segue to something else that like I have I have I had a point before, 
and I, about, one about, you still want to make or? yes oh, okay. <laughs> yes <laughs> it, it, it's coming off of what i said earlier that now i don't think judges is like my least favorite book we Beca- just we just convinced you <laughs> no you didn't convince me you uh, wipe the brow wipe the sweat <laughs> off the brow we did it <laughs> i just think that like in talking about it and reading about it and hearing about it there's a a lot more similarities to us mm-hmm and the people then, then when you just look at it at first glance, you say like those people are brutal yeah. or we have the same, like Dave said, sing, sin cycle, but you know, we have different idols, you know, it may not be, you know, a statue, but it could be money or, you know, prestige yeah. or um, other things. But also I think that in looking at the whole story is that it's also a book that I think shows a lot of hope, um, mm-hmm. a hope in God and in his faithfulness and in the um, people that he chooses to be the deliverers. Um, that it's just, it's kind of exciting what uh, God can do through average uh, people mm-hmm. and that he has such a plan for us that he's just all knowing and, while this is happening, there's this plan working for our salvation yeah. and our restoration. For well, sure. And Dave already mentioned some of the names, but in these stories, we see pictures of people who have physical disabilities. Mm-hmm. We see pictures of foreigners being used by God, people who aren't part of the nation necessarily. We see women who weren't viewed the same. Right. Uh, she wasn't a warrior. She was a prophetess. We see kind of a cowardly warrior a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, when we get into Gideon later, we'll mm-hmm. see a, a different kind of <laughs> cowardly, cowardly lion. <laughs> um, and obviously you get into guys like Samson and stuff later too. But um, is there a person uh, story-wise that you see yourself in or maybe even in the sin cycle like Dave mentioned too earlier, is there a, an aspect of the sin cycle that you see yourself get stuck in? Usually it's the front half. The back half is all peace and deliverance, but the front half is rebellion and experiencing oppression and discipline as a result of God's anger, usually through some other nation, then figuring out, man, I need to go through some sort of period of repentance as a nation, that kind of thing. Where do you guys get stuck or which person do you, have you kind of related to the most out of the story so far? You can't see I, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I see Funny, myself that's the kind one of that God. Popped up in my head. <laughs> so. hmm. It's funny, uh, we haven't got to him yet, but Gideon is probably the one I think I relate to the most so far. Um, but even, I mean, Ehud, and um, I'm left-handed as well. Yes, uh, lefties so, unite. Yeah, um, I don't have a restricted right hand, but... No one knows that, though. Yeah, right. no one really knows that. But Tell, uh, tell the story like you're an exact parallel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the idea that, uh, that God can use our weakness, I think... Um, speaks volumes to me personally because um, there are times I think um, I've talked about this before but there are times where uh, I'll wake up one day and just feel like oh I can I can do this you know I've got this or whatever it is that's on my plate and there's other days I'll wake up and I'll be like I am so ill-equipped you know I am I just don't have the the giftings the talent the whatever the abilities to do what I think needs to be done and God, you've got the wrong guy, and all the I, I'll play these things through my head, and really both of those are wrong. You know, like when you puff yourself up and you, your ego gets big, oh, I got this. 
you're just trying to do it through your own power. And when you look at yourself kind of honestly and say, I am, I don't have what it takes to get this done, whatever this is, you know, whatever God's calling you to, uh, you're still looking at your own strength. And so Ahub was a good reminder that it's not really about our abilities. It's about just being open and surrendering ourselves and saying, okay, this is all I have, but God use me. Mm-hmm. Um, and leaning on his, his strength and his ability. And so that's, that is a lesson or a reminder that I need to tell myself often. Um, so I think I relate to that story. How about you, Jane? <laughs> You're just staring at me. <laughs> I'm listening, Dave. Yeah. It's listening. Um, I don't know. I, um, I know we haven't got to him yet and I've changed since the beginning of this, but I think I like, um, I don't like, I always have a scale of things I like. Like, um, my favorite is Gideon because he's cowardly. Mm. And I think that, um, you know, there are lots of things, um, that are really scary, uh, that take, uh, you know, God's pushing (laughs) and leading. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes when God's asking us to do things or things are happening, it is scary. You don't want to do it. Um, and I just like that, you know, that weakness um, and that God can still use that. Um, and I think that sometimes I see, you know, like, uh, God doesn't understand. I want to, um, oh, I just saw that the, your microphone says Samson. Of course. That's... I gave myself the Samson microphone. Do I have Gideon? <laughs> Haven't you looked at my head of hair? Doesn't it totally make sense? Yours says Satan. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Good times. Good times. Good times. Uh, um, what were we talking about? Gideon yeah. and being scared and being cowardly and that um, sometimes I think that when you're in this sin cycle, God makes you uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and God asks you to do things that are scary and that you might not want to do. Um, at least me. (laughs) Um, and sometimes he's going to allow you to, uh, subject yourself to your own sin to get to a place of repentance. Eventually he's going to, um, essentially turn you over to your own devices before eventually delivering you from things from things sometimes and so um i find that a lot of times the things that i end up afraid of in life aren't necessarily things that god has thrown at me or Mm -hmm. that naturally occur it's situations that i've created with my own sin yeah um you Mm -hmm. can even look at the judges and see boy the the characters and judges and the nation and judges and say wow i'm sure that was kind of scary which you created by your own sin because you forgot God because you weren't faithful. Right. Uh, you had the opportunity if you wanted to trust in God's faithfulness because look at all the ways he's delivered you so far and all of these miraculous, by all these miraculous means, um, these people are just out of Egypt, you know, and look at all the ways that God delivered you out of that situation. Look at all the battles that he's delivered uh, into your hands so far in the book of Judges and still we slip into this after peace, we slip into this period of rebellion over and over and We're over and very over Very forgetful. Yeah. Yeah. Not only are we forgetful, but when we slip into those patterns of rebellion and then there's consequences for our, our own doing, our own sin, we tend to blame God as if um, it's his fault. Um, 
and I do that with my own life, you know, why God is this happening to me and things. And I'm not saying everything that happens to us is a result of our brokenness and our sin, right. but there are things that, um, that we cause, you know, relationship kind of strife in our own families or, you know, you think of like even divorce situations or things like that. And then it's very easy for people to kind of get in those situations. Um, and then, blame God or say, why would you allow this to happen? Um, when really a lot of it comes from just our own brokenness, our own decisions over time. And so, um, I think, I think that there's a lesson there. You see it in judges too. You see the people, um, complain a little bit. It comes out later in the book, but you'll see, um, we'll be talking about it a little bit. Some of these folks will, will get in these situations and then kind of argue and say, you know, why, if you're a good God, why would you allow this to happen? I think people struggle with that because we don't realize that some of this is just natural consequences for our own doing and our own brokenness. Um, and so you see that as well. I think one, speaking of the sin cycle, the idea that, you know, I mean, you just mentioned it, God delivered them just not too long ago from, uh, from Egypt, mm -hmm. rescued them out of those hands. Has, and more complaining. Yeah. We don't like our food. We'd yeah. be better off in yeah. Egypt again. Exactly. Really? You'd be better off in slavery yeah. again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Brought, wow. him, brought him eventually to um, this promised land, you know, knocked the walls down at Jericho, has just done some pretty amazing, amazing yeah. things, right? And, uh, and yet they forget, right? This generation grows up that has now forgotten about the Lord. And that doesn't mean that they don't know those acts occurred. Mm -hmm. It just means that they're not cherishing those acts. They're, those acts are just history to them. It's not, they don't carry a lot of meaning or significance. Um, but they forget about the Lord. They turn to idols. And so this starts this kind of sin cycle um, where that kind of angers the Lord. He takes his hand um, of protection upon, off of them. Um, and allows these other nations to basically oppress them as a way to restore them, as a way to wake them up um, to their own sinfulness and their own doing, and then ultimately um, continues to just raise up these these deliverers that you know lead them or rescue them out of the hand of um, oppression, which leads to a period of peace until that judge dies, and then ultimately they forget about the Lord again and and over. Again we go but in in that cycle i think the thing that some people you know have a hard time and really even as you look at the what uh god has called them to to kind of take over canaan essentially and this promised land and the conquest i think some people have a very hard time kind of matching up god's that side of god if that makes sense that he could even be angry at sin with Jesus, you know, and mm -hmm. the God of the New Testament. And we talk about the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament and how do you reconcile those when we know theologically they're the same God. And so how do you match up God's anger with his love? I think some people really wrestle with that. And so maybe we could talk just briefly about um, about that because I think that might be helpful for some folks. So have you guys ever wrestled with like, man, I, I read these passages where God seems angry and that's hard. For me to swallow sure. or hard to reconcile yeah i think sure. it's a really big aspect of conversations that you especially have with a younger generation of folk right now um i don't think necessarily people my parents age or my grandparents age have 
I mean, I'm sure they have questions, but grew up in a different era of teaching and faith. And so, um, yeah, I think when you grow up with uh, God is love and Jesus was loving uh, teaching that it's hard to look at some of the Old Testament and see how this is the same God as opposed to being a different God. Um, and so you have to look at the Bible as a whole, like what is the whole point of it? What is, What are we being taught? What are we seeing? What was the nation of Israel being taught in the Old Testament and some of these stories? What do we see through Jesus? It's not necessarily a, uh, a different God. Uh, God was willing to sacrifice himself on the cross, and so there is still a um, a holiness and a justice mm-hmm. there. God isn't only penalty and wrath and atonement, but there's an aspect of that and what we see happen to Jesus on the cross. Um, and there's an aspect of just chronicling in the Old Testament, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there are aspects of the judge's story where God is out battling on their behalf or he's asking them to do certain things, but there's also uh, an aspect of chronicling that goes on in many books of the Old Testament where it's just saying this is what happened. Mm-hmm. People did this to other people. Um, sometimes God is part of it. Sometimes God is not part of it. It's just chronicling that this is an event that happened. And so um, we have a tendency, I think, a lot of times in church circles to want to sanitize God down to something that's very easily understood um, and isn't in any way offensive to our sensibilities. But um, I think there's a danger to forming our sensibilities on God based on us as opposed to shifting our sensibilities based on what is holiness and justice and love and beauty and goodness um, and jealousy. There's all these character traits and aspects of God that we share in some way, but they're corrupted in us. And so we look back at God and view him as corrupted because we're corrupted. And so I think there's a balance of all those things, mm-hmm. of the chronicling, of the character of God, of of the context of the Bible, all of those are parts of the conversation when you're looking at something like God's anger and judges. Yeah, and I think some people will just look at like the statement, God is love, and they'll say, well, if God is love, then he can't ever have anger, you know, that they're somehow diametrically opposed. Um, but I think it's helpful to see, even in judges in this context, um, God is a relational God, and so we sometimes lose sight of that. We think God is this angry judge up there in the sky that just is out to spite us or get us or cause things to happen just so that he can kind of, or a big puppeteer, you know, and um, and when we disobey, he just wants to get us. That's not really the God that's pictured in the Bible. Um, it's not a distant, faraway God. It is a God that longs to be with his people, um, and you see that as he chooses a nation of Israel to be his nation. Um, they, he rescues them out of Egypt. They go to Mount Sinai. And that is essentially very similar to kind of entering into entering into a covenant. We talk about this word covenant. Um, and that's like a living relational contract. So it's different than um, a contract can be broken and then it's done, it's, it's gone. A covenant can be restored. It's a relational living kind of thing. So one side could break it but there's forgiveness and so it's more similar to kind of entering into like a marriage covenant or a vow in the sense like at mount sinai there's some vows made that i'm going to be your god you're going to be my people i want you to live like this and we're going to enter into this relationship and what you see is the people continue to um to sin and break that covenant and turn away and yet god continues to run after them continues to save them um, but he still gets angry when they when they break away but that 
that anger is coming from a place of love uh, for them. And that's what people kind of lose sight of, that actually anger is really an expression of his love when it comes to to Israel and when it comes to us as well. Uh, In fact, throughout the book of Judges, you see words even in, I'm going to read a passage here, uh, Judges 2, 16, and said, Then the Lord raised up the judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders, and then 17 says, yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worship them. So this this idea of them turning to other idols is portrayed as adultery, as like, you know, they have relationally turned away from him and turned to these other things and kind of, you know, and and when you look at that and you think about just even a human relationship and a marriage, you know, we would never get. Uh, be upset if at the one person, if his wife or his, well, I guess if I'm saying his, his wife, uh, if your spouse cheated, we would never get upset with that person for being upset at that or being angry um, Mm -hmm. because that is a form of their love. If they were apathetic um, toward it and said, I could care less that, you know, my wife is running off with other, other people, then we'd say, well, there's something really messed up with that guy that he doesn't care, you know, at all. Um, so I think anger can be an outflow of love when you care for this person. And so that's a, hopefully that helps a little bit as you kind of wrestle through these ideas and you work through the, the book of Judges. I think kind of seeing it in more of a relational lens, I think, kind of helps. Even parenting, I think you've mentioned this in the past, like, you know, I can get angry at my kids uh, for disobeying um, because I don't want them to get hurt because I don't because I care about them. Um, and so my kid keeps, you know, if I've told them not to run across the the street because they could get hit by a car or something. And then I catch, you know, even Aubrey or Noah, even my young ones doing that after I've told them not to. Um, the anger comes out of a place of, of care. Does that kind of make sense? So um, it's not like I'm angry, like wanting to spite them. I'm just angry because they're a they're disobeying uh, what I know is best for them. And that causes some sadness and pain on my part. So I think it's hard to even think of anger. I don't think we can even fathom like the type of anger that God has. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Because, you know, even if I get mad at my kids, as a parent, sometimes it's because they're just aggravating me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just pieces of that humanness like woven through everything. You're angry because you're selfish. Like, yeah. I know that's, yeah, I get angry because it's like, oh, why or can't like, you just leave me alone and let me do my thing? Or, or like, now you disobeyed me in public yeah. and you embarrassed me. Right. And it's all about me, not about love. Right. <laughs> and I think that, so like, even when I think of anger, it always seems bad um or sinful and i think that it just sometimes there's just things i feel like i'm never going to be able to comprehend completely because Mm -hmm. we have so much brokenness and we're human and that god it's a pure emotion um and his he's pure so i think you know in uh, when i as thinking about judges and god's anger because i do struggle with that um 
the the angry side i think it's because i put human pieces to that mm. like if he's angry he doesn't like us right. or he doesn't love us and uh, i think it's like quite like dave said it's quite the opposite that he loves us so much and that he has while he's angry he still has this plan in place for us yeah. um and so I think it take you have sometimes you just step back and look at yeah. the big picture and like you said earlier about the whole Bible, um, that you know, God's angry. He and he, th- these consequences are happening because we're sinful. But uh, even in that anger, there's so much love because this is just a piece of His plan yep. mm-hmm. um, to save His people yep. forever. Yeah, so much of that picture that we see through judges or any of these cycles i mean this sin cycle isn't just something that takes place in judges it's right. the people of israel it's human all the history time in the old sense. it's <laughs> mm-hmm. it's us as human beings yeah and so um and dave has mentioned it in a lot of his messages so far that faithfulness is the huge theme that is coming out of this that we see god's goodness and his faithfulness to uh his people and um yeah, I, I hope that as people are seeing the examples of these judges and are seeing examples of God's faithfulness that they, and I know Dave is going to talk about this too the more we get towards the end of the series, but that we're just seeing Jesus in all of this stuff, that mm-hmm. all of us as imperfect people, none of these judges were perfect either, mm-hmm. all of the imperfection of the judges, that there's a perfection that comes from Jesus and there's a breaking of the sin cycle that happens with Jesus to where I can be better, I can be more like him, I can be closer to him. I can be less uh, caught in sin cycles over time 30 years from now compared to who I am now. I or can, shorter sin cycles. That's yes. what I'm hoping for. Right, I have a shorter period of rebellion. <laughs> right, I right. more quickly repent or I less, I'm less forgetful. Um, and I go longer before I start another sin cycle right. or something like that. That's the, that's the cool aspect of this faithfulness is it's all pointing to something. The Old Testament is pointing to something that we see in the culmination of Jesus in the New Testament. And that's that's exciting. That should give us hope. Like right. when you look at God's faithfulness, you should have hope, not just for your eternity, but you should have hope for your life, how you live right now. It should affect how you live right now, that kind of hope that you're not in bondage to a sin cycle anymore because of Jesus, that you're freed of that and you can be sensitive to the Spirit and you can be closer to Him and less affected by sin. Um, God does his part, we do our part, uh, and we become more and more like Jesus every day. So that's that's more hope-inducing and exciting to me than anything. It's just what we know all of this is pointing to in Judges, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ultimately, as they work through it, what we, what we find is, you know, Israel's biggest issue is not these Canaanite nations. Their biggest issue is their sinful hearts, and mm-hmm. so they need to deliver that can deal with that and not just rescuing them out of not just winning a battle yeah winning a battle <laughs> um, so it does it points us to a greater need um for a greater savior so uh well hopefully this has been helpful as you're kind of you know if you're just kind of diving into the book here um encourage you to kind of um hold it up as a mirror um, mm. to your own life and, and ask those questions you know where where have i been unfaithful where currently am i looking for um things and fulfillment other than God in my own life and um, and what is that producing in my life currently you know what are the the consequences of those decisions and then ultimately 
how do I get out of it? You know, um, there's a need for repentance, a crying out to the Lord and trusting um, that he is there, that he is faithful, um, and that he's already done uh, what is necessary to save you. It's just a, a turning back. Um, so uh, we encourage you to do that. Um, it's been fun. to. Uh, we did an activity where uh, we've had people write down how has God been faithful for, uh, to you. And so maybe that's a good place to start to start reflecting on um, where has God been faithful where has he shown up what he is what has he already rescued me from and you can kind of jot those things down and because we are forgetful people and so it's important to kind of go back and and think and be reminded of God's goodness in your life so that can be painful like it can be mm -hmm. painful to remember some of the things that you've been delivered from or ways that God has been faithful to you but by definition if you're remembering you're not forgetful no right so if you don't want to end up starting this cycle over and over again, just practice remembering Remember. in your life and you will not be a forgetful person. You will notice the faithfulness of God in your life and not so easily get caught in that sin cycle if you just take a little time to remember every now and then. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as you move through uh, the series, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to, um, you know, if you've got questions, it's not an easy book. And so you might have some questions or thoughts. So feel free to text them to us. Uh, that is 630 uh, 489-3233 uh, 630-489-3233 you can also email us uh, we'd love to hear how has God been faithful in your life as well next next time maybe we can do a ranking of from worst to best of all Janet's favorite books of the Bible and we'll see where Judges falls in that list yes now. yes I, I bet it will be ever evolving nice yeah moving up the ladder right <laughs> and then we can go over your rankings list of <laughs> like, who's number one this week Dave or Michael <laughs> well we will see you guys keeping next my week. fingers crossed <laughs> have a good week bye bye this has been an episode of the between Sundays podcast from four corners community church for more information on our faith family, you can follow us on Facebook or visit us on the web at fccc.church.